0: Welcome back to the Sunny 16 podcast for another week of film photography goodness. It's episode 220. That's right, Graham has jumped ship this week. We know exactly what episode it is, I think. I hope I've got that right. Uh, We thought we'd give him a break this week as he's finally released his first Sony 16 Presents, Justified, where he attempts to justify his purchase of the Carbon Adventurer, the large format camera, uh, through some fantastic conversations with the inventor Steve Lloyd, the delightful Matt Mirage, and gear hoarder Simon Forster. It's definitely worth checking out. Just search for Sony 16 Presents in all your favourite podcast providers, and we'll put a link in the show notes as well. Joining me this week, helming the ship um, and hoping not to hit any icebergs, it's the wonderful Claire Marie Bailey. How are you this week, Claire?
1: Hi, John. Um, I'm really great, thank you. And really super excited to be here um, this evening to talk to our super special guest. Um, Yeah, all good.
0: Excellent. Have you been in on any photo adventures since we last spoke?
1: Um I have actually. I've actually finished my cheap shot cheap shots challenge. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm quite pleased about that because I know the deadline is, is, is looming. So yeah, I've got that finished. Um so yeah that's great <laughs> so think this
0: class you're ahead of the curve i don't i don't think graham's even started his i'm uh-huh. about halfway through <laughs> uh, we've had some great submissions so if uh, i think we've got till the 11th was the deadline wasn't it i think we said that's for that
1: right. yeah the 11th yes yeah, so about two weeks two more weeks
0: Yeah right then on to tonight we have a very special guest joining us all the way from california to tell us all about the analog forever magazine it's the founder michael bielan sorry have i said that right michael no perfectly you're the Excellent. first
2: person that's in the first shot
0: yes michael bielan <laughs> welcome <laughs> to the show hi right what time is it for you at the moment then
2: it's one in the afternoon uh it's nice about 85 degrees got a nice breeze here and uh making everyone out in california jealous except oh, for the fire of course but
0: yeah the california weather report that's what we, we need that as a feature at the start of every week i think from now yeah. on Yeah, you do. If, <laughs> if you could do a, li- a little uh, recording every week for us that'd be great <laughs> so as we've just mentioned michael's the founder of analog forever magazine um how how did you get started um with the magazine michael
2: yeah so uh, the magazine was founded in may of 2018 um it's weird to say that that we've already been doing this for two years which mm-hmm. seems really insane it's gone by really fast but um yeah, it's, it started out of uh, a publication that I originally started in 2014 called Prime, where I featured instant film photography uh, from artists from around the world. And that really was my first glimpse into trying to start a publication. Uh, at the time, I didn't know anything. But the short story behind that is I was complaining to my best friend, Khan. Hey, Khan. Uh, thanks for being an inspiration. And I was basically just bitching about how there was no publication for instant film and I couldn't get my photos featured anywhere. And then I was mad and we were having a few uh, brews and he said, why don't you just do it yourself? So I did. And, uh, fast forward a couple years, I was doing it on my own. We were doing a quarterly. We, I was doing a quarterly publication for about two years and I just got burnt out. I was tired. Uh, I was still working a full-time job. Um, single dad, So just didn't have the time, felt kind of demoralized. And so I took a break and then fast forward to the summer of 2018. I was having brews with the same guy, Khan, and he was telling me how bored I sounded and (laughs) he said, I know you're very bored because you're not overwhelmed and stressed out and for whatever sick reason, you love that. So I, I text Michael Kirchhoff. Uh, who's our editor-in-chief. Yeah. Um, I've previously featured him in Prime, and I just texted him out of the blue and ended up calling him and said, hey, do you want to start a magazine? And, you know, I had some liquid courage in me at the time, and <laughs> I didn't think he'd say, he'd say yes. Uh, but he did. And he didn't think I'd say yes in return. So we both skewed <laughs> ourselves into this, like, social conundrum <laughs> that we both had made a commitment to each other on something that we both didn't have time for. So... Uh, that's how it started, uh, you know. I I love. I think the best way to put it is I just love learning, and especially about other people and their work. And it's always been like a joy for me to actually show work that I loved. But I think knowing that uh, I kind of grew up in the hipster generation, you know, I've never even been in a dark room. I know that's blasphemous, but whatever. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, you know, light leaks and all that jazz. But you know, Michael has been in the industry for decades and he really has a reformed uh, taste of work that's different from mine. And I think I realized early on that we all have our own biases based on where we're raised and the culture and our age and what we're exposed to, et cetera, et cetera, that just because I don't enjoy writing about a certain type of work doesn't mean that other work doesn't deserve to be shown. Mm -hmm. So, Um, Michael was the best teammate I could ever ask for in that regard. Um, And once we said yes, I decided that instead of trying to uh, create a publication and try and find people to purchase it so people can read it, we should do it the other way around this time. Unlike what I did previously. So we decided for a year, we were only going to do online content Mm -hmm. um, so we can build a, a, a small but humble following and, hopefully those people would want to purchase a magazine from us. Said. Um, and it's worked out pretty well. Uh, yeah, I think that's the brief history. Uh, but we didn't do it by ourselves. You know, During that uh, summer of 2018, we, we were able to find Tim Scott and Nini and Kelly to join us on our mission uh, with the goal of having enough content and people to make it fun and not stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that, that was a, a big stepping stone and not taking all the responsibility on my, on my own shoulders, but just really doing something with a team of people that love it as much as I do.
0: The team that you've got together, are these all people that you've created things with before or worked with in any capacity? Yeah, so no, absolutely not.
2: So, you know, Michael is my lifeline to the photography community, especially, uh, I hate to say the professional one, but... You know, Michael's been doing it for so long that he, he knows of work that I've never even seen before. That mm-hmm. it's uh, you know, like it's crazy to say that I didn't know who uh, Michael McKenna was until Tim Scott brought it up, um, because I I was just never exposed to it. I grew up on Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. Like it just, it wasn't like that. So, but we found these people through Michael. So Michael knew Tim uh, of Tim previously, and we just sent some cold emails to him and then to Ninian who used to who is in the Bay Area and has been a curator and galleryist for a long time and that was all Michael's doing really he we created a list of about 20 people that we thought may want to join us in our mission and eventually narrowed it down through conversations and what it would take and the commitment and you know we didn't just say hey do you want to write a few articles it was uh hey do you want to like join up for life and be a part of this like weird analog gang like you can't leave unless you die so if you're down with that like we'd love to have you right so um we did <laughs> so uh we we don't have any like initiation rites or tattoo requirements I was yet say, besides
0: it's some ritual I, for joining the, the I'm, club
2: i'm working on that so trust me <laughs> but yeah so we found them and uh maybe we found each other is a better way of putting it and um you know, Ultimately, we didn't even know who was going to design the first issue. I had some previous design experience that I learned uh, through stumbling through it with my previous publication, um, and I could do it enough, but it wasn't great. And then Tim, who runs them advertising agency, volunteered to do that for us, and I'm just so stoked. It looks so good, and it's crazy because I'm not a part of that process as much as uh, Tim and Michael are. I, I'm really trying hard to be more overview oriented and make sure we're on the right path and let them have their artistic liberty to do what they think is best. And I think that autonomy to an extent is really empowering and uh, and everything they do is awesome and kicks ass. So like, I, I don't ever have anything to say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it started off as a website and now they the, the website and the magazine kind of run parallel with each other with like a consistent design. It, does content come from the website and also appear in print or are they exclusive to each other
2: yeah so they are exclusive to each other um you know it's kind of weird because when you do like analytics on your own website and like we recently did like a top 20 mamiya 7 photographers post
1: mm-hmm. yeah i've seen that yeah
2: and that got like an insane amount of views right
0: I can't believe you didn't feature me on that. I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely not.
2: <laughs> I'm going to blame Monica from Mami- <laughs> Mamiya Seven ruined everything because she curated it. So I'll let you take that one up with her. But
0: <laughs> no, I'm, uh... I'm way down the bottom. I'm probably like, if there's a bottom twenty Mamiya Seven photographers, I I'm, I'm in that. <laughs> but
2: it's you know, it's crazy because you know people. will... I think people on their phone or on the computer or at work wasting time. Mm -hmm. want a quick in and out, right? Like where I've spent three or four weeks writing a 15, 2,000 word article about a photographer and you're like, yeah, people are reading like 50 words. Mm
1: -hmm. So it's kind
2: of, you know, and then people who buy the publication are really buying it to read it. So I think what started off as trying to do similar content on the website is now going more towards shorter articles to get people's work seen um, as opposed to writing extremely Mm in-depth on the website. Which is really my preference because I'm all about that, but I don't. I think the numbers speak for themselves, so we're going to continue doing that, of course. But uh, and I think the cool thing is that like, it's our website; we can do what we want, so we don't <laughs> really have any rules. So that's kind of nice. Like if I feel like writing two thousand words, I will. Like I, I wrote about uh, this series called uh, Black Dots by Nicholas uh, J.R. White, if I remember correctly, and uh, I wrote a lot. And like I think at the end of the day i didn't really care that much if people read the whole thing because like i learned so much about uh the boaty the bothies bodies if that's how you pronounce it those like structures in the uk that people hike to and that was just super interesting to me so i was okay with that um but to loop back around to your actual question because i'm terrible at answering questions directly i go <laughs> <that>. but um,
0: <laughs> it's true is this why you, why you have difficulty writing short articles
2: That's right. Right. Yeah. And I I talk in circles, man. Like, like, but here's the thing about articles. You can't just be like, man, this work is the best. It's awesome. I love it. Like, you have to like, it's kind of like artist, artist statements. Right. Like they have to be like really long and like you have to use a thesaurus to make it sound super cool. And it's like you can't just be like, I love taking photos.
0: Like, that's never, like, a good enough reason for whatever, I don't know. You've clearly but... never read my artist statement.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think, you guys know Mads Madison? Like, no. uh, I don't know if I can say his real name, but he goes, like, on Wasted Film. But okay. uh, he, his artist statement is, like, this doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> I, I love you. <laughs> so, so uh, but yeah, yes, yeah, so we, we do write more in-depth articles and interviews in the publication to yeah. answer your question directly. Um, I'm really excited for the next issue. Uh, we are going to do our artist announcement a week from tomorrow, uh, which is Monday the I don't know 5th or so. Yeah. And we're about that. Um, I think everyone will be really surprised. Uh, we have a lot of emerging photographers, mid-level career photographers, and one person that I think everyone will know who she is when uh, you see the cover. So Excellent. I'm really excited about that. Um Writing is almost done. We're going into design. Um, yeah.
0: How How do you find okay. the artists? Do, do people approach you or do you go out looking for them?
2: Yeah, I think it's both. Um, it's hard, right? Because like when you do submissions, we do submissions every six months. Mm-hmm. So we get anywhere from 100 to 300 submissions. I personally call through those and pick 50 to 75 And then I present those to the team and I say, pick who you want. Like literally there's no rules when it comes to that. Like I strongly believe that people do their best writing when they're passionate about the work Mm -hmm. and me assigning articles to people is never going to go well. And I mean, I I went to school, I know how that is. I don't want to write about that crap. Right. Like (laughs) don't, don't tell me what to do. Right. So that's kind of my, I guess, punk rock background, but, um, we do the submissions every six months, so that's mostly how we get the people we're going to feature and do interviews with. But at the same time, submissions are notoriously unreliable because if the deadline is the 31st, all the submissions always come in on the 1st, right? <laughs> the, the next day because we're all artists and we're crazy and whatever, right? So it's hard because then you're scrambling. It's like what if – Like, it's hard, it, it's bad to say, but it's the reality of what we do. What if we don't have enough excellent submissions to to do a publication on? Like, what do you do? Yeah, Mm -hmm. right. So we we generally try and hit it get with a heavy hitter every issue, Uh, like McKenna last issue, and we did uh, Fred Lyon in issue number one, and so uh, we we try to do a balance, right? And uh, I think Nini Ann uh, Kelly is our biggest like supporter. Because I'm I'm very, like, planning six weeks ahead of time, and she's, like, the day of. Because she's like, Michael, just relax. Like, we'll get the submissions. Like, it's all right. Stop freaking out, right? So, as a team, we kind of work together that well. Because she's an advocate for not planning too far ahead of time. So, that way, we can really give submissions a chance um, and not be too obsessed with trying to plan too much. Because that's my personality,
0: do you have a theme when you have these open, the open calls?
2: No, not at all. We don't, we don't do any themes. Uh, um, yeah, not at all. I, we've toyed around with the idea, but I think we're just... Yeah, you know, I think what I like about our mission statement is that we're just trying to promote people who shoot film and do analog processes. Mm-hmm. And I, I think by limiting that people who can submit to us and also in a way says, like, we don't care about you, or we're, and maybe not, maybe people are too sensitive, I don't know. But we, we try to just say, we want to see your work, we don't really care what it is, if there's digital negatives, if there's, like, we're not purists in any way. Like, I don't think holier than thou, I'm more analog than you makes you any better of an artist in any way. Yeah. So which we really try to be as open-minded as possible. There's an artist in this upcoming issue that we had an internal debate about um, due to that. And we basically came to the conclusion as we can do what we want. It's ours. Mm-hmm. And we like to work tough luck. I don't care if you guys think it's less analog than you guys do or someone else does. I, we like the work. And as an artist, we felt that like she deserved the spotlight. And that was just good enough for us.
1: Oh, it sounds exciting. And you say, Michael, if I can just come in as well, um, on the website, you talk about um, one of the things you're looking for are um, trailblazers. So are you are you looking for um, people who, you know, the work they create, they it's through like really quite unusual techniques or or, or what? How would you sort of um, define uh, trailblazers?
2: Yeah. So uh, two things. One, um, I have to use really good language on the website to get people excited. So that is what I mean. But at the same time, I'm shooing myself into this question and no one's ever asked me. So I don't really have a good response. But what I can say is. I think people are going back to older processes and using them in new and innovative ways. So I don't think it's necessarily that they're blazing trails, but I think they may be discovering trails that people have long forgotten about. And Mm -hmm. I think that's just as exciting. Uh, And on the other side of that coin, like I never really considered like collage work or multimedia work or anything like that is a part of my analog world that I was exposed to growing up. And, you know, Michael, Uh, Mk, our editor has such a great interest in that type of work. It's really exposed me to work that to me, in my mind, they are trailblazers. I didn't even know that existed. So, I mean, at least they're blazing a trail through my own mind. And I think that may be enough for us.
1: Great. And, and you have because it is um, it is a lovely um, magazine and it does showcase some beautiful work. I mean, I really enjoyed um, one edition you had um, Louis. I De- uh, hope I'm not pronouncing this wrongly, but um, Louis Daisy, is it? You know, the, uh, the- oh,
2: yeah. Days Master. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, yeah. his work which I really love um, so it was, it was really when I saw it I like ah that's really great to to see his work there um, and also yeah. the open you know on the actual the, the, the online exhibitions because you have interesting uh, monthly open calls and they do tend to have like I don't know a theme or a title but they're very interesting like I know um, the one just gone was the what was it the psychology of the night yeah. Um, who 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 is it? Is it a team? Does one team member per month decide, or or how do you come up with those?
2: Yeah. So um, my, uh, Michael does. Uh, other Michael does head up most of those. But our goal is to get people's work in front of as many people as possible. Right. Not just yeah. us or the people who visit our website. So each month, uh, well, eight months out of the year, we invite a, a curator to come up with uh, a theme and. Yeah, and just get people's work seen in front of these people, right? So, I mean, besides me, Ann Tim, and other Michael, I mean, we've had, like, uh, uh, Jason Langer, who's uh, a professor and educator. Uh, we've had all types of people curate stuff, like Brie Lamb. Uh, yeah, that's great. Um, I don't have them off the top of my head, I'm sorry, but we do every month. Um Basically, that's just the goal: is to get people's work in front of other people besides us. Because I think it's that community aspect that we're trying to build. So mm-hmm. I mean, we have like two, three hundred on um, good months um, submissions that yeah. I do in front of the work of a curator from a generally a good uh, school gallery website, yeah. etc. And then they select the work and we get to show them on our website once a month. So even if someone's not featured on our website as a feature or interview or in the publication or feature or interview, I mean, if I had to guess a number, we've easily shown five or 600 people's photos on our website just through those. And I think it's just a really easy, low pressure way for someone to say, I wonder what this person thinks of my work. And it'd be really cool if this person that I, I may even idolize, would select my image for this group exhibition. And it's just fun. It's just fun.
0: (laughs) That, that's like, to me, that's such an important thing of doing, doing something that is ultimately hard work, you know, like putting the website and a print magazine together is incredibly hard work. So it has to be fun and you have to really enjoy what you're doing, don't you? Otherwise you're just going to stop. I think fun
2: is like a word that is really important. I, I think when I'm describing the group exhibitions, that is easy, right? Because all I'm doing is formatting the page and sending emails to people who were accepted, where the curators doing the heavy lifting. But I think for me, you know, especially as I've gotten older, I think I care a lot less about fun and a lot more about being fulfilled, mm-hmm. where. Like I I say to my son and to my family and anyone that will listen, they probably want me to shut up all the time because I'm not some stoic guy. But um, I always just say easy things aren't worth having. And I think for me, that's been my mantra for a long time, at least the last five years, where if it's easy, it just doesn't feel that great when you get it. So I think it requires work or dedication or stress or heartache. I think whatever's on the other side of that uh, feels a lot better, and uh, I don't know. I, I you know even with anything in life, I think it's really easy to remember like the good times. Like especially like for me, like being a backpacker and a hiker, but like that time you were caught in that rainstorm and like you were like scared but laughing. Like that's what you remember. You don't remember the twenty miles you hike through the fine weather, but it's all the stuff that sticks with you. That I don't know. I think. Is important or more so
0: i agree i don't particularly like the idea of setting myself up for punishment but when it when it happens then yes it it certainly makes it way more memorable compared to the the kind of the coasting times um but i i don't think i'd go out and and seek seek the rains well i don't know would i seek the rainstorms it can be fun to do that as well sometimes can't it (laughs) But then, I think
2: it's such an American thing to say too. Is like oh, I love struggle, <laughs> you know. Like, like we're very, uh, I and mean, we we take like what three weeks of vacation a whole year, and that's just bizarre to every other country. So
0: maybe that, we just like the pain that is cause bizarre. we're weird. Yeah, very the most struggle I like is squeezing my tea bag against the sides of the teapot. <laughs> uh so what (laughs) let's go back to the magazine um yeah yeah. how how do you want people to receive the magazine like how do you want to make them feel when they're they're reading it
2: as always I'm not going to directly answer your question so I, I I think I want someone to pick it up and realize that Michael and Michael Kirchhoff and Indian and Tim they're just people and you can do it too like I don't think what we do is necessarily that difficult, but I think if someone picks it up and says for people that have never done this before, really can do this, so can I. And I think even the photographers that we feature, I want people to feel the same way. Like I think if you pick up the, the magazine and you read an article the, at the least, I just want you to leave your house with your camera. Like mm-hmm. maybe I want to do that more often or, or, Maybe you read one of our articles from next issue. Um, and I won't spoil who that is, but just learning about the hard work and dedication it actually takes to take your career to the next level in the arts. Yeah, uh, it's I think it's all the things that we can learn from each other, and it's those things that, like even at work or at home or your family, it's those philosophical punches to the gut that you are either in between the lines or directly in them that. If you take the time to read and absorb, I think your whole life would be better, even if it's only one small part of it. Like, I'm going to leave my house and my camera more often. You know what? I'm going to submit my work to one more publication this month, or I'm going to develop one more role, even though I'm tired. So I think, ultimately, if everybody just does one more thing every single day, it will make analog forever.
1: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I I like that. I like that, Michael. Um, and I do think that um, f- for me anyway, if I if I because um, I do look at um, analogue f- forever um, and I look at other people's work, I, I agree with you. I think it can, you can learn from it and it can can inspire you as well. Um, to to do that one more thing, or to not give up as well, because we've had lots of conversations about sometimes we can all get a bit of self doubt and we can feel like or oh, and, and give up, and 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 it can really kind of revitalise you, I think, and as you say, to get you to to leave your house uh, with with your camera. Um, so it's a good thing um what what about you know things like instagram michael um uh, you and the team do you actively look for um artists on instagram or not so much
2: yeah totally um most of what i find is we do like thursdays through sundays depending on the week we'll yeah. feature a photo from someone we find on instagram okay. so that's usually involves me like at night or on my lunch break, scrolling through, I, I follow certain hashtags like yeah. Hasselblad or Lom- Lomography, Sinistil, whatever. And I find photos that I like and I save them. And then over time, I don't know, I've saved like 6,000 photos over uh-huh. the last Right? So, eventually we use all those. But as far as finding work to feature, mm-hmm. uh, pretty rare that that's how we come come across it. Yeah, it's usually through a friend of a friend, through submission, some through something that we've seen that's caught our eye. I think I've that's how I found Louis Daisy, though. Yeah, um, but I think it just depends. I, I you know, we it's hard because it's just two camps to that idea of like artist statement and mission and intent matters, and then the pictures are what matter. But for me. Like, I'm just a people person, and I like hearing people's stories. And I think the context, to me, is very important. So I think, in general, I, would, I feature more people the more I know about them. And yeah. I think that's why community is so important, um, especially the instant community that we have. Uh, Claire, you know that. Uh, yeah. We all each other. And I think yeah. knowing more about each other gets us more excited about each other's work because it's no longer this, like, abstract i love that image it's i love this work and i think work, work implies this like breathing mentality of this like living thing that exists outside of what i see on the screen it's everything that went into it and to me that's important
1: yeah no i agree with you and i do feel like the 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 instant community is very much um very much like a quite a quite a family that's how i feel anyway um and i think that's nice um and it's funny because um i quite often as well have talking about instagram have a lot of conversations with people about instagram and how some people, because I I'm agree, I think it's about the images, about the, the, you know, like you say, you get to know people and you get to know about maybe sort of quite often what the stories are behind the images as well, um, which kind of makes it all more poignant. Um, and of course, in, in the world we're in as well, I feel like we're in this age where um, for some people, unless you've got so many followers, they get sucked into that. Um, it's almost like you're discounted.
2: I have found so many amazing artists that have like no followers, and I'm just like, <laughs>
1: Yeah, brilliant.
2: And I was like, What the hell's going on here? Right. And then I, like, you'll certain people have 20, 30,000 followers, and I look at their work, and maybe it's just not my cup of tea, whatever. Right. Yeah. But I'm just like, I don't understand it. It's so, it's such a mixed bag, and I think the unfortunate reality of art is that it's a lot more business-like than people want to admit mm-hmm. and i think if you can't market yourself your work may be great but if yeah. no one ever sees it then you have to be happy with doing it for yourself which is fine yeah. if that's your mission, right but if your mission is i, I think sometimes artists a lot lie to themselves and i lie to myself right like oh, I'm doing this for me. I love it. Blah, 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 blah. And that's true. Like 80%, but like 20% is like, I really wish someone would tell me they liked my images. Yeah. Right? It feels yeah. It's validated. And I'm not sure why we hide behind this like false humbleness all the time. Like it kicks ass when your photos are featured somewhere. It makes you mm-hmm. feel good. Like it's okay to feel good about it. And mm-hmm. And that's what gets me excited. Like, I, I think I want to give that feeling to somebody else. Like, I remember when Andres featured me, and uh, it was called Polarid right of the Day back then. Yeah,
1: yeah. And
2: that was years ago, and I was just like so stoked. And it's just because I don't even think it's really about your working and out there. It's like someone cares.
1: Yeah, no, that's What a
2: feeling that is, right? So, yeah. so I think to loop back around once again is that being able to market yourself is also the ability to make connections that aren't surface uh, surface level. Like you you, yeah. you have genuine connections with people, and I think that's what successful artists are better at than non-successful artists. It's not I have better templates or hashtags. It's I actually found people that care about me, and I care about them, and together yeah. we can elevate ourselves into a new tier of the art world.
1: Yeah, that's true, and also um encouraging I think um some people to submit their work um even if you don't get accepted because a a lot I know some people that they're like oh um they don't even have the um what's the word I'm looking for? They don't feel the um, they they can even sort of take that step to sort of maybe answer an open call. So I'd always encourage people to do that.
2: You know, so I work in finance from nine to five, guys. So uh-huh. I always do business and stuff. <laughs> so you got to ignore me, but I think some of the analogies make sense, right? Like I think just like sales, just like business, just like anything in life, it's a numbers yeah. game. And I think if you're too scared to fail, you're never going to succeed because. Every single person that's ever done anything important in their entire life failed a thousand times before you saw them succeed and you think that they just succeeded overnight. And that's nonsense.
0: Like just, just be okay with failure. This is the big myth, isn't it? It's like when you see photographers or artists and they're known for maybe one or two images or paintings or whatever it is, the reality is they've done a whole life's worth of rubbish surrounding those images as well but nobody ever sees those and nobody really cares about it it's, it's those those key ones that always get remembered and I think that a lot of people aspire to be in their position or like to have that recognition without realizing it's okay to make a load of crap as well um, and it's okay to get things wrong and like no one's going to judge you on it because they'll be there when hopefully you make those outstanding pieces that get a lot of recognition,
1: I always think as well that there's no such thing as failure. I, I always think, um, to me, it just means um, something hasn't worked out. Um, you're trying to achieve something. You're trying to, um, ac- I don't know, accomplish something, achieve something. It's not quite gone how you wanted it to. And so there's that learning element in there. It's like, OK, how I did that hasn't worked out. <clears throat> so I need to do something different. And you just keep going, I think, until it, I think a lot of it is, is about not giving up. And I remember, um, Michael, you'll know this, um, in when um, in the old impossible project days. Mm-hmm. And um, you know the black slides of the film that came out, which we still get in in, in the Polaroid. Um, and I remember they had one. Um, literally, it was impossible project. And and they had one that was like, "I'm possible." Even the word says, or um, something. Everything's possible. You know, even the word says, "I'm possible." And I've actually got that stuck on one of my one of my walls. And I thought that's quite a good motivator i think um (laughs) um to sort of to to keep to keep going and to and and to not um not not give up i think it's really important
2: yeah amen (laughs) we were all in impossible project back then it was yeah
1: Another thing, Michael, I was going to ask, this is personal to you, actually, because I know um, Michael's, um, he's an instant photographer, as, we, as he's just said, and he does a lot of lovely work. And you did your own. Um, you've done you've got you've done your uh, two books, haven't you? I know you did the one searching for stillness um, of, of your images, and I, which I think are identifiable as yours you I mean you sound exceptionally busy <laughs> um, like you said you're working in <clears throat> excuse me you're working in in finances you you know you've got your son you've got um you're running the you know the, the magazine do you still manage to get time to create your own work michael
2: yeah yeah definitely i think over time i've just become more selective with when. um I think being, especially in California, I'm pretty spoiled. And like, even though there's a like 40 minutes away from me, and mountains 45 minutes away from me, I've probably taken two or three hundred pictures of the same place over the last ten years. And I think I've decided that I, I want to be a little bit more uh, so. I guess selective is, is the word I would stick with. Uh, so I usually save those pictures for when I go into the wilderness by myself and explore places I've never been. I think. The adventure and the excitement that comes from behind those adventures is what really drives me to capture the images that I do.
1: Yeah. And
2: I think I have like sensory numbness to some of the beauty that I live around. Maybe everybody does. Like, yeah. Yeah. I live an hour from Yosemite, right? Like, really. Like, an hour. Wow. But like, my excuse is there's too many damn people, right? <laughs> so I, I don't go, right? I go to other places. But I mean, we all become kind of numb to the places around us and getting new sensory data into our brains gives us endorphins, which makes it makes us excited about art. And maybe that's where this weird idea of a muse comes from. Right. Like it's something it's usually it's not something that is old and discovered. It's usually this new thing that gives us life. And it's our dumb brains that are programmed to experience new things. And maybe that's why we seek art to begin with. So.
0: I'm a, I'm just looking at your Instagram page at the moment, actually, and it looks uh, hopefully I've got the right page. You've got a series of six what I've seen polaroids with. They look like burnt, kind of light marks on them. Oh,
2: yeah, those are my rollers got dirty. I was out in the woods like <laughs> nice. a month ago, and I dropped my camera off like some granite rocks.
1: Um. And,
2: and I thought I broke my camera. I, got, I was pissed. I was, I was like two days into a four-day trip. I did about, I don't know, 45 miles up in the John Muir Wilderness. And um, I was like only two days in. And I was like, no, like, what am I going to do? Like, that's, And I get obsessive too, right? So I'm like, this is the only reason why I'm out here. I'm pissed off. I want to go home. And I was being like a big baby, right? And uh, good thing I was by myself because no one knew I was being a big baby. And uh, <laughs> so uh, I – to, I used my camera, and that happened. And at first, I just thought I, the film packet was messed up. But it actually, whenever I dropped my camera, like the the emulsion chemicals got into my rollers. So uh, I didn't have anything to clean it off with, though. So I just rolled with it. And I was like, you know what? Maybe this was supposed mm. to happen. Maybe it looks cool. We'll find out. And I actually <laughs> ended up liking it. I think only a couple people called me out on it saying, dude, your camera's just dirty. But everyone else was <laughs> like, that's really
0: so, uh, yeah, that was cool. You've made something of it. And I think, that yeah. you, like you say, you've gone with it and you've actually worked with it as opposed to kind of fighting against it. And that's, a, like I think, a really important lesson for people, isn't it? It's just like, instead of banging your head, trying to think, oh, I can't, I can't fix this, I can't make this better. It's like, actually just go with the problems as you're encountering them. And they look great. They look really good. Thank you, thank you very much. Uh,
1: I actually think that sometimes a bit of um, uh, chemical on your rollers um, can can, can well, for me anyway. Sometimes I've had it on my 670. I I feel like they they actually have enhanced the hands <laughs> enhanced the images. But I'm totally with you. If you drop, I I um, uh, one of my cameras died recently, so I know what it's like it's um, to, to drop your camera. And uh, but luckily yours hasn't died, so that's that's a good one. <laughs> good thing. Yeah.
2: I I really like the Sun six sixty autofocus. Yeah. I bring both cameras, but I find that like when you use six hundred film in that camera and you like move the slider to the dark, the exposures are damn perfect every time. There's yeah. no metering. There's none of that, and it's awesome because I can just like I'm a impulsive, spontaneous weirdo kind of guy. So I just. Uh, roll with it most of the time and like I run up rocks and jump off things and take pictures when I'm out there and it allows me to be less careful. Yeah. Uh, camera gear. And I know that's weird. Cause like my girlfriend at the time always said, why do you always just throw your cameras in the trunk like that? <laughs> like, it's, like it's like a thousand dollar mint camera and you're just throwing it in the trunk. And I'm like, well, I think I just kind of view it more as a tool. Like I would like a hammer. It's just a tool to do the job. It's, I don't have like this weird Emotional connection, like dudes have with their cars, that name it pretty good, cool <laughs> right? So I, I just don't have that. I just it's just a tool for the job. So uh, I think when they do break, and I'm able to use them in a weird way, I think that's cool. But I, I was mostly upset because I thought I wasn't going to be able to take any photos during.
1: Yeah. Happen, Especially- but especially if you're two days in on the topic of cameras and I, I saw that um the article on Noah and he's a collector and he's got a lot of cameras do you have a lot Michael or not so many or uh I
2: have two cameras that's it I uh so like, I think just like everybody else I have like gear acquisition syndrome right that's kind of died yeah. down recently but here's like my like 18 month cycle, right? Like I'll produce a body of Polaroid work. I'm really stoked on it. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. I need to reinvent myself. I need to do something new. So like two or three years ago, I was like, yeah, I'm going to shoot like a all mechanical Canon camera and be super hipster and do that. Cool. And then I bought a Mamiya seven last year. I'm like, okay, this is going to be my new thing. <laughs> like every single time I hate it. Like I'm so busy like, I don't want to pay for someone to scan my film. I don't want to scan my film. It's a huge, like pain. And like, it's weird coming from a guy that runs like something <laughs> called analog forever. Right? It doesn't make any sense. But like, I think it's to each their own. And for me, instant film is such a part of my personality where it's instant. It's done. I can scan it. I can get it done. And yeah. it's easy for me. And I think it's my easy way of experiencing something that I love. And, if someone else wants to spend like nine hours every weekend scanning their own film and dusting it in Photoshop, be my <laughs> guest. But that's just, that's not what I find okay. enjoyable at all. Uh-huh. Um, I, I like the process of shooting a lot more than I like the process of uh, processing.
1: Mm. Um, and you use the Mink camera, don't you? Which is a lovely camera.
2: Yeah, shout out to Gary. Great stuff, man. <laughs>
1: um, with If we go back to the... Um... The Analog Forever magazine, and you were just saying that um, the edition three is is um, you're super excited that's coming out a week on week tomorrow, yeah?
2: Yeah, we're gonna yeah we're gonna do the artist announcement a week from um, tomorrow, be, and then yeah. uh, it will officially come out sometime in November for the okay. holiday season.
1: And so and then what about the future for Analog um, Forever? So what's next then? So we're going to have I- edition three, and, and then what's next? Will there be another, another um, call out? What's, what's, what's the plans, or is there anything you can reveal?
2: Yeah, so uh, every six months, our, our cycle now is every six months, we'll put out an issue in the winter and the summer. And then in the spring and the fall, we will do our call for entries. We do have a respiratory of entries. So, anyone who submitted previously that we've sent an email said, We're saving this. Yeah. We're not just being nice. We actually save it. I know it's weird, but I promise we do. Um, (laughs) So, you know, my main goal right now is is growing. And I don't want to grow for the sake of growth, right? Like, I I really don't want to spend money on Facebook ads to to get people who wouldn't find us organically to buy a magazine. Like, I, I think that has its place, but. We printed five hundred copies of edition one and two. Wait, did we? What we're already so far in the future. Sorry, edition one <laughs> we did five hundred copies. Edition two I decided to print seven hundred and fifty copies. And we only have about a hundred left at this mm-hmm. point. So which is fantastic. So we're gonna print seven fifty again for issue three. Yeah. For issue four and five, I really wanna print a thousand.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
2: think it's super doable to get an extra 250 people to believe in what we're doing. That's it. Like if we have like two, three thousand people on our newsletter, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: If if 15% of those people purchased an issue, it would make sure we survived until the next the next edition. Because I, I, contrary to what people believe, we are not a money making venture. Just to put that myth to rest. Yeah.
0: So. <laughs> How are you? Um, how are you distributing it, like around the world, by hand? Mm-hmm. So I,
2: every order, I spend my lunch breaks going to the post office. Sometimes with three copies, sometimes with twenty five, and depending on that number is how much that person's happy to see me at the post office. <laughs> but we uh, we do we uh, we do orders online. Yeah, Uh, we do international shipping, but we are partnered with uh, several stores from around the globe, Mm -hmm. Uh, most notably one of our very first supporters with Analog Wonderland. Paul has been a great, wonderful supporter of us. Um, They have copies. And then we also uh, have copies in the US at uh, Blue Moon Camera Machine in person, Jeremiah's Photo Corner in Santa Rosa, No Request in Chicago, Uh, Sinistil has issues available in their store and another place called photo dark room in escondino california down south uh we're also carried by photo impacts mm-hmm. in uh germany and also film never die in australia and decisive moment shop in australia oh, so that's great there's, there's, yeah and we work really hard to do that um we do wholesale pricing for any uh people who do want to have an interest in stocking our magazine in their store Mm -hmm. Uh, we're doing it for the love not for the money and we will generally (laughs) do some crazy things just to get some magazines across the country uh price
0: wise well i I guess it like it makes sense doesn't it rather than you shipping individual copies to say people in the uk for you to bulk ship a load to analog wonderland for them to then distribute them in the uk locally Um so there are there must be savings for you to do that anyway
2: yeah you know it's crazy because of, uh, you guys call it VAT, V-A-T, value-added yeah. tax.
1: Yes, yeah.
2: I mean, honestly, like, I think they save a couple bucks going through Analog Wonderland because shipping, our our, our magazine is more like a journal. It weighs like 1.6, 1.7 pounds, mm-hmm. so it's super heavy. So to ship 80 copies is like 120 pounds yeah. of stuff to ship across the ocean, so... Mm-hmm. Um. We work together with the stores to to basically say our goal is to get this in people's hands first. Let's worry about price second. Mm-hmm. So we try to work together to make it economical for the store to carry it to begin with, because I, I don't think it makes sense if I was operating a retail store to say, I'm going to buy that cost and sell it at cost. Right. They, mm-hmm. I mean, they're in business, so we do our best to make it profitable for them. and. As long as we get our magazine out there in people's hands, then the advertisers that we do have to support us benefit anyways. So it's like a weird, symbiotic, circular relationship we have with both our stockists, our
1: advertisers and our audience. So it's it's quite well um, spread out then, isn't it? Um, Distributors, Michael, I would say. For you. It's really good. Thank you.
2: We, my goal, like for the end of next year is I want to be in 25 stores. Yeah. Uh, and I made that up number, I made that number up right now. Exclusive. Exclusive. Yeah. So that, that's, I just want to grow and I, I, I'm not a guy that sits around. Like I get really bored really easily and I like the pressure and if I could get just one store reach out to me a month, I'd be so happy. That would ride my mm. endorphins for the whole for the whole month. So, mm.
1: be really great if um, I'm just thinking. Um, if you if you've ever been to the the Tate Modern in London, they have a um, a great shop. Um, on the on well, I think it's a great shop. On 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 the when when you go in on the turbine hall, they've got a really big shop and it's just got a really amazing selection of uh, magazines. It's got books and everything, uh, and different things. But it's got a really good selection of 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 magazines. Be uh, great if you could get yourself um, get get yourself there. I think. Tell me about that. Uh,
2: will you email me yeah. about that, Because I, I I I will. Know. And and also.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also the um, another great place I, I can see I can see the magazine fitting very well is the photographers' gallery in London, which again has. Um, if, I don't know if either of you have been there. It's I always love to go there if I'm in London, and, and you go in, and it's got a great sort of shop, um, again, sells a lot of great books and bits of film and stuff, but it's got a really good selection of magazines, and I can actually see Analog Forever fitting well there, Michael. So.
0: <laughs> I, I think it would be, be great in there because they actually sell film, don't they? Yeah.
1: In there as well. Oh, yeah. Oh. Okay. So you can get your inspiration um, and uh, you can get your magazine and, and get your inspiration and then, and then buy some film. But no, I, I can really see it there. Um, so, um, yeah. yeah so, and,
2: you know, we're willing to send out an issue to certain stockists for free,
1: Yeah.
2: If, depending on who they are, to see if they'll be interested in carrying it. I sent out to somebody that, uh, I think I can say it, because I, I, if he hears this, then uh, everyone can <laughs> respond to this and say, please carry it. But as a uh, is our glorious leader, I guess still our leader, Doc.
1: Ah, Uh,
2: yeah. I sent one to him last week. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think, sorry, you got it last week. I sent it a couple weeks ago. But he responded to me in all caps. And I'm hoping that's a really good thing.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Like,
2: he understands more than anybody what it is to just be a single human being to try and do something great. Mm -hmm. And he can't relate to me. No one else can. So... Mm -hmm. I'm excited to hear what he has to say about carrying that in his shop. Super sense. Oh, he...
1: That'd be super, super. Yeah. <laughs> was... Now I'm sure a lot of uh, listeners will already know about analog forever. Um, and for any that don't know about analog forever, where, where Michael can people go to um, find you and can they subscribe? <laughs>
2: That's a great question. Uh, So, where they can find us first is we're on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're not that um, active on Twitter because I don't think anyone is anymore. Mm. So, that's the reason. Um, uh, Yeah, Analog Forever Magazine or Analog Forever Zine on Instagram because our name was too long. Thanks, Instagram. And uh, as far as subscriptions, we are planning to launch subscriptions, everybody. Mm. I know you guys are talking about it, asking about it. We're still doing final details, but what I can tell you is when we launch them, it will be for issues four and five. Mm -hmm. It'll be for the year of 2021. Details are still coming, but what I can tell you is that you're going to save a couple bucks if you subscribe, Uh, because the reality of what we're dealing with right now is COVID and sales and economics Mm. and to put it, to put it gently is, uh, uh, we will, we will be increasing the per issue cost of our magazine mm-hmm. starting the next edition. Pre-sales will remain $25 USD and anything after that will be 30 unless you get a subscription. So we've, I uh, have operating costs and, uh, Unfortunately, we need to stay alive to produce issues in editions 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, infinity. Mm -hmm. So if you guys want to stick around, make sure you pre-order. You'll get the same price or subscribe. You'll get the same price.
1: No, that sounds great. So we'll all be subscribing, Michael. (laughs) Yeah. yeah.
2: So if you want to order a copy of edition 2, right now, you can use the code SUNNY16. You'll get a buck off Mm -hmm. and it's going to be active until October 31st.
1: Oh, fantastic. Oh, nice. So it's funny, S-U-N-N-Y.
2: The number is one six. At checkout, we'll give you a buck off. So we appreciate everybody that's listening to this podcast. And thank you for listening to me ramble about stuff. And the <laughs> least I can do is give you a buck for doing so.
0: <laughs> no, it's been fantastic. Thanks very much, Michael. <laughs> We've really enjoyed it. Uh, have you got any more questions, Claire, that you'd like to ask?
1: Um, I was going to ask, where can Michael, because your work's beautiful, and we were just talking about it, so where can um, listeners um, go to find your personal work as well?
2: Yeah, so it's just my name, Michael Beelen, B-E-H-L-E-N is Nancy. Uh, that's on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, my Twitter got hacked, so I'm actually Michael Beelen number two. Oh. <laughs> so, on there. And, uh, yeah, now I can steal my name. and can steal my username, but not my real name. So, and then my website is don't shake it like a com. I hope everyone that visits my website stops shaking their damn Polaroids like that Outkast song. I had a couple, you know, I ha- so my old website got hacked or something like that, right? Like, not hacked. They stole my domain name because I forgot to renew it. It was my name, michaelbeelan.com. And someone stole it from me. I'm like, why would you want this? So I was like, whatever, you can keep it. So I had a couple of brews, and I was like, "You know what? I think I'm gonna make don't chicken like a And I did. And I like every time I type it in, like my own website, I think it's just absolutely hilarious. And it's fine. Like I'm the only one that thinks it's that funny, but I. Oh uh, yeah. I, uh, that's
0: where you. I took a, an Instax wide image the other day with and gave it to somebody, and they started shaking it, and I just slowly shook my head at them. I was like, what are you doing?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. So it's common misconception, everybody. Don't do not do that. So, yeah, that's where they can find me. Um, I also, uh, with uh, Static Age, I am planning to produce another book, Searching for Stillness number three, oh, volume two, with Pete. Thanks, Pete. You're a badass, I love you. You're the most <laughs> punk rock guy in photography, and I love it. Um, Yeah. So that'll be coming out. Um, I don't know when uh, every time I say next year, it's the year after, but I hope for uh, 2021
1: publication. Oh, fantastic. That sounds really great stuff. Well, Michael, it's been really um, great having you um, speaking to us all the way from california and um hearing about analog forever um and i'd really encourage listeners um if you're not for for, for ones that are listening and, and aren't familiar with the magazine to, to you know really check it out and um and and subscribe and maybe michael you can come back as well to give us kind of an update of of how things are going and how things are progressing at a later yeah, date I love
2: that. i'd yeah? love that you know but, and i think what be even better is if we had Michael in place of me, so you can realize that how he balances my craziness with his like (laughs) articulate stoicness. He's he's awesome, and maybe that'd be great to get the whole team around. Yeah, that
1: would be that would be really good, actually. Yeah, the whole the whole team that'd be great. Um, I think for. just a quick reminder, I think John, for, for listeners, that um, the cheap shots challenge is still going. Um, so you've got another couple of weeks. I think we've said the deadline is about the 11th. Yeah,
0: um, and
1: um, just to remind people to, to 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 get your images in. And um, the theme for those who um, might not know is music. And remember that um, the cheap shot challenge means that um, we're just looking to sort of create work on basically um a camera that has cost um no more than say 30 pounds so um that's our cheap shot challenge theme is music and the deadline is the 11th of october um as always, um, if you want to get in touch with the show, uh, please email in. Um, I know Graham loves getting all the emails in. So if you email us at sunny16podcast at gmail.com. Um, 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 we look forward to to hearing what you've got to say or your contributions, comments. Um, and anything else, John?
0: No, I think that's all. Uh, Sunny sixteen podcast on Twitter and Instagram, and I yeah. don't think I don't think we've damaged the podcast beyond repair this week, Claire. So. Congratulations. <laughs> well done. Hopefully, Graham will be back soon. And Rachel as well. Hopefully, Rachel will yeah, be back and Rachel, soon Rachel, well.
1: yeah. And talking of Rachel, as always, we will play you out with Rachel's band Rocker, and a song from her album Promises I Should Have Kept.
0: Goodbye, everybody.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye.